Hi, you're listening to Becoming Whole podcast with Claire Bradshaw, where I explore with my guests what it means to lean into living a life of wholeness and connectedness, a life where all parts of ourselves, our body, mind and spirit come into alignment, where we're truly living into our own personal values. So if you're a seeker, a feeler or someone wanting more from your precious life, then tune in every fortnight and let's get inspired together. Today I sit down with Phoebe Duba, who's a professional vocalist and viola player who writes, records and performs with her original three-piece Galactic Soul Breaks band, Passerine, who have released three EPs and toured extensively through Australia. She also has a five-piece funk soul jazz disco band called Phoebe and the Night Creatures, who've done over 500 shows in the five years. She's also a devoted yogi, traveller, cook and photographer. She's wife to the best damn husband a woman could ever hope for. Love that. Mum to fur babies Bruce, the Russian blue, and Meredith, the German shepherd, who have almost 8,000 followers on Instagram and are way more popular than their mum. <laughs> and soon to be a mum of a small human who's due at the end of August. So very exciting. And it's Phoebe's first bubba. Phoebe, how are you? I'm great. I've been battling a little bit of a cold, so apologies for any sniffles and stuff. <laughs> no worries. Cool. Well, let's um, let's get into it. Okay. So um, this podcast is called Becoming Whole, and I'd love to hear from you as to what you feel living a whole life is for you. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, no. Um, so I guess if you asked me 18 months ago, living a whole life to me would have to me, been packing as much stuff in as possible, being as busy as possible for me, you know, busy was, was key, you know, the more I was doing, the more successful I was. And I think cause I've always been a musician and I studied at the college of the arts, but then I fell into marketing and, and that was the backup plan. And then I sort of found myself doing the backup plan most of the time. And then just before my 30th birthday it was like, what am I doing? This is all upside down I should be doing music and part-time marketing so I made that shift and then I guess I think the thing was I sort of felt like I had something to prove to myself in going back to music full-time so for a long time I was just saying yes to absolutely everything and I was just absolutely running ragged I mean I was following my passion but I was there was no off button there was no stop button um I really literally, you know, there's when you when you're working on something that you love, as you would know, you, it's just it's really hard to say no to stuff. And particularly when you're sort of setting yourself up and everything. And you know, there's just literally no no end to it, I guess. Um I was practicing yoga, I was sporadically med- meditating, but you know, it wasn't I think I was more doing it just to check a box than anything else and yoga I was doing more as a physical you know stay fit kind of practice than anything else um and yeah and I mean I've always eaten well but I just was not looking I had absolutely no downtime um whereas you know I'm sure we'll get into it later on but you know I had some major health issues last year and and then that completely changed my perspective. And so now for me living a whole life, it's actually more actually about saying no to stuff than it is about saying yes to stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually having that downtime, having real downtime to like, you know, rest, proper rest and not just, you know, sort of 
surviving on a handful of hours of sleep all weekend and then, you know, feeling that it's okay to then just sleep all day Monday and all day Tuesday to make up for it, you know. So it's, I guess it's about balance. It, you know, I was thinking about, thinking about the podcast this morning and I was thinking, you know, it's also the yin with the yang. I mean, my career is very yang, you know, and out late nights entertaining people. It's very go, go, go. And so, you know, it's about factoring in more yin activities into my life as well too. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. No, no, that makes perfect sense. So would you say then it's, it's about also prioritizing yourself? Oh, absolutely. You know, your own self-care and looking after yourself before then taking on more work and more things, more kind of external stuff. Exactly. So looking after yourself first. Exactly. And placing less pressure on myself as well too. I think, you know, I put way too much pressure on myself for way too long and then I was forced to stop and for the first time ever actually had, you know, weeks and weeks to actually look at what was right, what was wrong, what could be changed. And, and it, yeah, it, it just sort of shifted everything, I guess. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear more about your story, um, Phoebe. So just so the listeners are aware, Phoebe and I met um, about three to four months ago at a yoga teacher training, and we bonded very much from the perspective of both having gone through some stuff um, over the last few years, um, some particular challenges in our own lives that have taught us a lot. And um, we really want to share more of these stories. So Phoebe, tell me a little bit more about what you went through um, last year and sort of what you've learned along the process. Yeah, absolutely. I um, This time, or not this time last year, April last year, I was struck down with a very rare autoimmune disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome or Guillain-Barre syndrome as most people pronounce it um and it's a autoimmune disease that affects the central nervous system and to varying degrees um for varying lengths of time um it for me it came at the end of a really really busy stretch of um it was the end of sort of the summer season we'd done a bunch of tours with my original band we'd done just endless amounts of weddings and corporate gigs with my other band as well and I'd just been non-stop from sort of you know September all the way through till April um, you know seven days a week super late nights and so I was absolutely exhausted but I didn't realize that I hadn't acknowledged it I wasn't listening to my body and um, one morning woke up with a bit of a sore back and I thought oh, I've just pulled it or something and went to see my osteo on the Monday morning and um, he sort of said it was a little bit out but he said look go to the doctor because it could be um, viral so I went to the doctor anyway over the long story short over the course of 10 days it got worse and worse and worse and what started in my lower back spread all the way pretty much through my entire body um, and got more and more painful to the point that I was in absolute agony. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get comfortable no matter what I did. Um, it was seriously the most excruciating pain everywhere, like literally everywhere, even my fingertips. And then started getting numbness. Um, I went back to the GP. They just couldn't seem to find anything wrong with me. My osteo actually, God love him, he kept sort of saying, 
I really think this is something viral. He kept saying, thinking he knew something was up, um, but nobody seemed to know it was wrong. And then um, it got way worse over the course of the weekend. So this is sort of 10 days. And then I woke up one morning and um, most of my back and legs were numb, um, but underneath everything was in agony. So it was the strangest feeling. And half of my face had gone paralyzed. So I went to sip a smoothie and it all came tumbling out my mouth and I realized I couldn't close my eye on that side and I thought I'd actually had a stroke like I thought oh I was in so much pain overnight I had a stroke or something and so anyway we were at my mum's house in Dalesford and my husband rushed me back to Melbourne and straight to my osteo and he just looked at me and went you are going to emergency and so after hours and hours of MRIs and um, a lumbar puncture, which is pretty much the worst thing you can Ooh. have done to you, it's horrible. Um, I was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome and admitted to the um, neurology ward at Epworth. And um, here I was on the gurney going up, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, having been there since, you know, six in the evening, getting tested on and saying like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing a gig on Saturday night. Do you think I'll be okay? <laughs> <laughs> and the male, I remember the male emergency nurse just looking at me and going, the estimated recovery time for this disease is anywhere between months and years. And I'm like, Whoa. oh, crap. <laughs> I said to my husband, like, can you call the band and let them know? <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. And so, and literally he said, I can't give you any more than that. And he said the the um, treatment is you'll go on to blood transfusions first thing tomorrow morning. The idea is to sort of restart your immune system. So basically what happens is the immune system starts attacking the central nervous system. And it's almost like a super aggressive but temporary and reversible form of MS. Um, so it's a similar... It's a similar um, process to MS in that the central the uh, immune system attacks the myelin around the nerves um, causing you to not be able to um, you know your brain thinks move your hand and it doesn't so mm. so not only was I paralyzed and in masses of agony because my brain all the all the signals in my body were just mixed up my friend actually brought me a, a card a photoshopped card that said <laughs> You know, there's a jihad in your body. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty much there's like a war going on in my body. Yeah. It's attacking itself. Um, and so, yeah, I had five days of blood transfusions. And then when I left hospital, thankfully I didn't have to go into into intensive care because that's the worst case scenario that the numbness spreads to your lungs and you can't breathe anymore. So thankfully I didn't have to do that. Um, the worst it got for me was that I couldn't walk um, I couldn't even lift my arms higher than sort of, you know, 45 degree angle, um, off my body, masses of pain, paralyzed face, but that's the worst it got. It could have been a lot worse. Um, and then left when I left hospital, they wanted to keep me longer and do more physio, but I just wanted to get home and be at home and, and thankfully, you know, had the support of my family and my husband. And, and so I had to do, three times a week physio for a couple of months to get walking again. So it was a really slow recovery, but when I say slow, it was slow, but not, it was actually a fast recovery for the disease. So mm. a few months later, I was pretty much back to normal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it pretty much, I would not change it for the world, to be honest. Um, 
I don't think I I think the lessons that I learned, which I'm sure we'll you know talk about more, um, sort of nothing nothing else would have shocked me into that. And I guess I'm just grateful that the the lesson you know that what I went through, it wasn't cancer, it wasn't a heart attack, it wasn't a stroke, something that was going to leave me permanently incapacitated or dead. Um, it was something that I did actually have the opportunity to learn from. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd love to delve deeper a little bit into your story. So um, did the doctors tell you what the cause was or did you discover what the cause was? Well, how, how did you go about yeah, that? Yeah, this is the funniest thing. Like what they told me, and I had one of the top neurosurgeon, neurologists sorry, um, in the country looking after me. He's amazing. And But they pretty much, what they say, and even if you Google it, you know, um, they say, we don't know what causes it, but for whatever reason, your body, usually they say it's it's spurred on by getting a virus. Um, so it could be cold, flu, whatever. Um, and as he put it, you know, for whatever reason, your body's immune system starts attacking the nervous system rather than the virus. Um, and the interesting thing was, you know, over the following you know, probably probably only took me six months to come to the conclusion that, you know, the for whatever reason part of that statement, it just all related to stress. Like mm. my body was not functioning properly, my immune system didn't attack whatever virus it was. I don't even remember. I probably just had a bit of a blocked nose or something. Um, but my body wasn't functioning how it should because I was just putting it through masses of stress and it wasn't working properly. I had no downtime, no rest time. Everything was just totally out of whack. So that's that's the conclusion I've come to, that it's just 100% stress-based. I mean, yes, I'm sure it was a cold or a flu or whatever bug I picked up that actually tipped me over the edge. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, wow. 100% stress-based. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And how long had you been kind of going, going, going for? Uh, my, I, probably most of my life, to be oh, honest. Wow. Like, that's the thing. I've never, I've mm. always been just go, go, go. I've never taken, I never take downtime. I'm, I've always been like on 100% of the time. And this was the first time in my life that I was literally forced, like, physically to stop. I couldn't move, you know. I was paralysed pretty much. And, um, yeah, so it was a pretty interesting experience. So almost like your body made you, forced you oh, totally. to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm, totally. Interesting, interesting. And did the doctors indicate that it could be related to stress or did they? I don't think so. That's mm. the funniest thing. I tried to remember that. Recently, I was talking to my husband about it and saying, nobody ever mentioned stress, did they? He mentioned it. He said to me when we were in hospital, he said, he was like, babe, you've been pushing yourself really hard recently. Um, and maybe this is just a sign to slow down. And, but I don't think at any stage it was always, you know, it, it's seen as, or it certainly was when I was in hospital, um, it was seen as this, you know, this rather random, mysterious but scary disease that strikes at random. And I look at it and I go, yeah, I don't think it is that mm. random. Yeah. Mm. And how about like when you left hospital? So how long were you in hospital for? In Six hospital? days. Six days. Yeah. Um, and then how long was the overall sort of recovery? 
Six days, I went home. I was still on a walker. I couldn't walk unassisted for another two weeks, I think it was. Wow. But when I could, it was really slow. I remember we went down to the park and I was so wrapped that I got like, you know, 50 metres into the middle of the park so mm. I could chuck my dog some balls. Um, and then I remember at that point my physio saying, um, saying, oh, you know, you're okay to start practicing some yoga. I remember going home going, right, here we go, you know, rolling up the mat and going down to going to child's pose and even just sitting on my heels was agony. My thighs, everything, just everything was in agony. My whole body was still full of so much tension and the signals were all still messed up. And I remember even my feet took ages as well too. My feet were numb for ages. And then when they started getting feeling back into them, I'd have these weird bouts of, you know, um, pins and needles and, and sometimes it'd feel like, even though I had my Ugg boots on, which was soft, obviously it'd feel like I was walking on crushed gravel or mm. I was walking on like, you know, hot coals or something. It was just all these messages, but slowly bit by bit, my body came back online. And I remember I went to one of my, but the thing is mentally, I set myself these little targets so I got out of hospital, I think it was the 1st of May, and one of my best mates was getting married on the 21st of May, 22nd, 21st, anyway. I remember thinking, I'm going to be at the wedding, definitely going to be at the wedding. And I was at the wedding, and I was absolutely knackered, and I actually had to go and have a little bit of a lie down between the ceremony and the reception just so I could, you know, um, make it through the night and stuff. But um, And then the following week we had one of our regular band gigs and I said, I really want to come and just sing one set out of three. And so I did. And again, it was hard, but you know, and I wasn't dancing. I was kind of just standing there, but um, yeah, I made these slow, slow steps. So I'd say that I was probably about 80% better after about by like the end of June so it was like April, May, June, so two and a half months. I was mm. about probably 80% better. But then it took a long time. Like it took until probably September, October for me to be 100%. Like there was the residual tiredness hung on a long time. Like I just hit a wall massively and just really need a, you know, a nap. Um, or the other thing was that I'd get these pins and needles in my fingertips whenever I was a bit overtired and it was almost like my body just going stop rest wow. and so yeah it was kind of funny as soon as I'd get a bit overtired I'd get these pins and needles back just in the tips of my fingers I haven't had that for ages I don't know whether it's because I now actually rest more or whether it's mm. fully gone away but so it's almost like your body was kind of going hey 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 mm. don't go too far totally yeah amazing that is so interesting our yeah. bodies are so incredible intelligent absolutely yeah kind of have a a re um, appreciation of our of your body once you've gone through something like that and had the recovery just how amazing you know you can be in a state of just like 
feeling broken. Yeah, feeling totally. the opposite of whole. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost being in pieces, but yeah. then through different, you know, like what you're saying, you know, setting these targets and mm-hmm. having a positive mindset and knowing that you know there is a way out of it, not giving up. Yeah, exactly. Rather than just lying lying at home on the couch and going oh, you know, I'm miserable and this is terrible and stuff. Instead, I was like, no, I'm going to be at Lani's wedding and I'm going to sing the week after that. Even if it's just, even if it's just three songs, I'm going to go to that gig and I'm going to do a couple of things. And I did it and I, and I worked my way through it and it was pretty amazing. And, and actually talking about being broken as well, the fact that, cause I had this huge period of not doing any activity. I mean, there was the 10 days leading up to going into hospital a week in hospital and then a couple of weeks after that. So it was pretty much a month of moving, not at all or very little. Like in the 10 days when I was getting more and more pain, I was pretty much couch bound. Um, and so of course all my muscles atrophied really quickly. And um, to the point that I remember standing in the shower, I think I was shaving my legs or something and I sort of stamped my foot and I watched as where my quad muscles used to be. My thigh just sort of, wobble like that night and I tried to tense it and it just kept wobbling and I just went wow I have absolutely no quads and I was really fit before that and um yeah it's just quite amazing actually to watch that literally mm. body just waste away like that For but sure. then you know and then I had to have real patience to kind of build myself back up again after that yeah yeah wow yeah. and um Tell me, so when you finished at the, the hospital, did you have much support from the doctors or any of the staff there in terms of, um, you know, how you can manage things going forward to ensure that this doesn't come back? No, this is the funniest thing. Well, they pretty much said that it won't ever come back. They said it's so rare that, you know, it's like one in 100,000 that you'll get it. And so to get it again is really ridiculously rare. Um there are chronic cases, but they said that, you know, a chronic case would have raised its head, you know, a couple of weeks after I left hospital. But it's really funny, other than physio, outpatient physio, which I was going to regularly, and then I had to do speech or face therapy to get my face working again. That actually took a long time. Like, it kind of got, again, about 80% better, but then I thought, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'm okay. And then, you know... I think it was that gig that I did. I was singing and I closed my eyes. I was singing and I realised that one of my eyes was still a bit open as I sort of tilted my head back and went, oh, okay, there we go, yep, my face. And even now I still sometimes feel my lip is a little bit funny. It might just be in my head. But, um, yeah, I did a bunch of, I had to do a bunch of, like, facial exercises to get that all working. So it was very much physio-based what I had. Right, yeah. Um, but nothing about – the most interesting thing is there was nothing about – hey, you should try meditation or, hey, you should, you know, try yoga or you should try acupuncture. I went and did all those things and now I regularly do all those things, but it was more because it was the voice inside my head saying, oh, I think you need, like, to go and see a good Chinese doctor or, you know, you should do more yoga. You should meditate more, Mm. so... Interesting. So let's let's delve a little bit um, further into that. So you went to hospital, mm-hmm. you know, you had the treatment, mm-hmm. you came out of hospital, and then you essentially self-treated yourself. Oh, totally. Yeah. I pretty much threw everything. Like, I already saw my osteo regularly, so I kept going and seeing him. I've also got an amazing homeopath 
Rick Loder down in Sandringham who um, I was seeing him and then when I saw him fresh out of hospital I was like do you know a good acupuncture and he's like yes go and see Helen so I went and saw her and then so I literally my diary was just like constant appointments just appointment after appointment and thankfully I've got a wonderful mum and two sisters um, who were driving me around to appointments and everything in the first few weeks um, before I could drive again and um, and so yeah they were all massively beneficial and then but yeah it was just it's weird it was almost like it was instinctual for me to actually seek those things out and actually right, yeah. do it more mm. and then yeah I'd been meditating using the Headspace app for probably six months to a year or something but it was really sporadic I'd try to do it every day but I didn't prioritize it and then I actually got talking to someone at um it was Lula Lemon and she was telling me she was saying, oh, Vedic meditation is amazing for, you know, recovering from illness and stuff. So I got onto Laura Poole, um, who co-created the One Giant Mind app, um, and did a meditation course, Vedic meditation course with her in August last year. And since then, doing twice daily meditations. Wow. Since. So, yeah. Really amazing. So did you find then, once you made the decision to do this Vedic meditation course then you know you made a commitment to yourself to Mm -hmm. actually dedicate that time yeah amazing and how long do you meditate per day uh 40 minutes so two 20 minute sessions so first thing in the morning as soon as I wake up and then sometime in the afternoon or evening just whenever I can fit it in so wow and there's I mean look there's been a few times where I've been traveling more you know, I suddenly run out of time and I've missed the afternoon one very occasionally maybe once a fortnight or something, but there's no days that I haven't meditated once ever since, you know, in almost a year. Amazing, amazing. That's incredible practice. Um, And what would you say, like, what have you noticed in your own life as a result of doing this meditation twice a day? Like, since doing that, have you noticed any changes within your being? Oh, heaps, heaps and heaps and heaps. Just clear mind the ability to focus the ability to one thing that I used to always really struggle with was when things would change if I had planned something and something would change it would throw me and I'd just get really you know agitated whereas now I just I just don't care I just seem to everything's just so much more easy going I just go with the flow so much more um yeah, everything just seems a bit easier. Ever since okay. doing that, everything just sort of makes more sense. Yeah, it's hard to explain. You would no doubt agree as well too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So many changes. Yeah. Um, I think that what I've noticed is um, becoming a bit more of an observer of mm. my reactions, that space yes. between cause and effect, yeah. something happens and then there's this space that happens within my own being or mind and whereby I have a choice. How do I respond to this? Whereas before meditating, it was very reactionary. Yep. Totally. Totally Um, agree. Yeah. It's funny. And even, even, you know, my husband's commented and said, wow, it's just so funny, you know, so something's happened or someone said something. And then that night he might say to me, wow, when that happened today, 
you know, you 12 months ago would have reacted to that. Whereas he goes, you just don't. And he, he's always been a very calming influence. That's the thing that's, you know, we've been together for a very long time and he's always been a calming influence to my sort of crazy, you know, artist side. And yet it's funny. So he's now seeing that I've become more of a calm sort of person because of that. I'm still nuts, but <laughs> I guess, yeah, as you said, there's more of a pause between actually it's not just, out yeah 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 for sure crazy hand gestures yes (laughs) (laughs) awesome um and uh and so in terms of kind of what you went through with you know getting so sick and um and I'm sure like a lot of fear was coming up yeah like in terms of you know being in this position where suddenly your body's not functioning and you know I'm sure that there were a lot of concerns and things like that Mm. how did you manage through that um, it's quite funny. The fear was before I got diagnosed when I was in heaps of pain and no one could tell me what was wrong with me. That was the worst bit because I seriously, at some point thought I was going crazy. I was like, am I imagining this? Is this just seriously all in my head? And I'm like, I can't be this. This is like the worst thing I've ever felt in my life. And, and so that was the worst, but that was the scary bit. But once I got to hospital and they'd actually put a name on it and gone, this is what's wrong with you. This is what the course of action is. I had a plan and I knew and in my head, and I think I was lucky because again, if you Google the disease, it's horrible. All my friends were Googling it and reading all the worst case scenario and going, oh my God, Phoebe's going to be in a wheelchair for you know two years and stuff. Um, and, but what they didn't read was the best case scenarios. And so I was lucky in that I had my gorgeous husband who he was constantly telling me the, you know, the, the, um, the success stories. So Alistair Clarkson, Hawthorne's coach, he actually had the same disease and it was right around finals time, I think a few years ago. Um, and he was back on the field after five weeks or something. And so when it first happened, I was diagnosed um, Adrian came in and said, oh yeah, Hawthorne's coach had it. And he was back on the field after five weeks. That'll be you. And so that to me was always, always the plan. So it was really funny once mm. I was never scared once it was diagnosed. Cause I think I just kind of went, oh yeah, I'll be one of those cases. And, and I actually didn't even look into the, the, the bad stories. I was almost in this bubble and just like, I had this mindset of, I need to get better. I'm going to do all these treatments and all these therapies and do everything I can and rest as much as possible, sleep as much as possible, let my body recover um, rather than, and just going with it as well, rather than actually trying to fight it. Um, And it was funny because the day that I actually walked for the first time that afternoon, I got home, went to the couch, crashed. And then I, I think I just decided to Google, you know, Guillain-Barre syndrome walking or something like that and I found this clip of this guy and it was his story and it was so horrible he'd gone through absolute hell and he'd been in intensive care and I think it had taken him two years to even take his first steps again and I thought oh my god imagine if I'd seen that at the mm. start and thought that that was my diagnosis so I don't know whether you know if I'd seen that 
if my recovery had been would have been totally different. I think in my head I was just like, I will be one of the people that recovers after, you know, that is walking again mm. after, you know, five weeks. Yeah. Um, and it's like that positive mindset that you had once you had like the name of the condition and mm-hmm. you know the the, the diagnosis and yeah. knew that there was a recovery, you know, yeah. process, then it was you know, it's that point. It's that point where something shitty happens in your life yeah. and you have a point. How do you react? How do you respond? Exactly. Do you respond in a positive way where you're like, no, I can do this. I'm going to work through this. This is what I'm going to do. Or do you go, oh, actually, this is the worst thing. Poor me. And then go down that route. And exactly. it's like that point, that choice point. And I think it's such a critical point because... Yeah. I think that the the mind is so so powerful and yeah, um absolutely. and yeah you know and you have a, a choice essentially yeah. and I'm so glad to hear that you chose the the positive choice and you yeah. know and and you took that course of action it's and awesome I, and I celebrated the little wins as well too mm. you know the first time I could actually do child's pose I remember just thinking like, yes oh my god I can do child's pose my body is not so screwed up that I can actually do one of the most simple poses in yoga and um and you know I was I would celebrate those little milestones and I think that was key beforehand you know I was always just so go 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 and focused on what next what next what next I never actually appreciated what was going on around me and so I think that's been a huge part post recovery as well actually like a sense of appreciation and you know every night I you know write down three things I'm grateful for in a little journal and before I go to bed and, you know, it can just be the most stupid stuff or it can be big stuff. And, you know, and I even have like a reminder actually that goes off in my phone every couple of hours. It's probably gone off right now. That actually says um, sense of appreciation. And and it's really funny because even it happened a couple of hours ago. I was doing like taxes, you know, so fun. And I'm sitting there going, oh, God, and like, doing admin and then that reminder went off and I saw it and straight away I thought no I should be appreciative of the fact that I'm working in my chosen career for myself I've got a successful business and and I can support myself making music and you know just that kind of rather than them going oh bloody taxes you know so yeah totally yeah. so would you say then one of the great learnings that you've had from being ill has been this sense of appreciation yeah. and the sense of the present moment, the now, totally. kind of slowing things down mm-hmm. and just noticing the small things that are actually the big things, aren't they? That oh, you totally. know, like the you know, the the sunrise or the bird tweeting and things yeah. like that that when you're so caught up in your head and you know you're full of to-do lists and achievement focused and all of that you miss all of that beauty yeah that's Mm. it that I 100% you totally encapsulated that and the other thing is also not pushing just not pushing myself so far as well too I found that shortly afterwards um you know, we released a new single with the band, which we produced and had ready to go before I got sick. And then we were sort of waiting until I was well enough that we could release it so that if we had to do interviews, I was actually okay. And I um, I put in so much less effort into the marketing and the promotion. We had a publicist, as we always do, but normally I'd be just so much more caught up in everything that was going on. But I just was like, oh, whatever, yeah, here's this song, whatever. And, and it did really well and had, like, heaps of 
heaps of radio play and blog love and stuff and 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 I actually was just like wow this is amazing like I don't need to push as much sometimes it's just a matter of just putting it out there and just going yep letting go yeah let it go exactly (laughs) I mean you need to put effort behind Mm. something but there's a tipping point between effort and just too much effort and just tiring yourself out and I think I've really found that that tipping point and I know how to stop now I really actually know how to stop yeah yeah interesting so interesting and um what would you say is the main thing that you've changed in your life since having been sick what would you say you've changed in your life that has really helped you to slow down if you're going to say one or two things meditation definitely 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 um because even if I'm having the most crazy day I start at the first thing I do is 20 minutes of meditation and then at some point in the afternoon I'll have that little break as well. Um, definitely meditation and then also yin yoga. I used to go to, I used to practice yin again sporadically, but I was much more into, you know, a more dynamic vinyasa practice. Um, whereas now I really, really listen to my body. Um, like last Friday, I was actually booked to go to um, Jesse's vinyasa class in the morning, and I woke up and just went, mm, "No, no, I'm not feeling like a dynamic practice this morning." And she had a Yin session straight afterwards, and it was, you know, and so I actually texted her and said, "You know, can I come to that one instead? Because I'm just not feeling it." And yeah, so I think it's yeah about actually having a lot more of those Yin style activities, and even. Sometimes I'll actually plan my yoga practice around what else I have on in the day. And if I know that I've got a gig on that night, I'm like, well, that's going to be my yang activity. So I need some more downtime. I might not do a yin class because that might leave me too blissed out that I can't actually perform. But (laughs) I know that I need some kind of downtime. So rather than rushing around and doing errands and keeping myself busy as I normally would have, I'll be like, no, I'll just chill on the couch for half an hour, read a book. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So it's like a conscious decision. Totally. You consciously separate, split out your day to ensure that you have those pockets of time. Totally. Of like downtime of meditation. Yeah. And, you know, you create your lifestyle around that. Yeah, totally. Prioritize it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's still very rare that I would Mm. have like a full day off of doing nothing because, you know, when you work for yourself, it's, it's pretty hard to do that. Um, but at least I will have sections of the day. Exactly. Like even if it's, you know, an hour, I'm going to run a bath and have a bath or I'm going to go and get a pedicure or something and, you know, or something, something just to chill and then Mm. you can get back into it. I actually just read a really, it was well-timed actually. I just read an article before, um, just at lunchtime, um, talking about how, you know, important, good quality rest is because it makes you work better so if only for that I mean for me I understand the point of it from a whole life perspective but even if you want to look at it from a it will make me more productive when I want to be productive yeah and it's a complete mindset shift I think as well because I think 
I know from myself and I know from, you know, all of the media and everything that's always kind of bombarding us is all about like, you know, work harder, work longer, keep pushing, that equals success. Mm -hmm. And so then to actually kind of go consciously, oh, I'm going to take a bath now. Yeah, it may be the middle of the day or I'm going to, you know, meditate for 20 minutes. Oh, but, you know, I could be doing all of these other things actually saying no I'm going to do this for myself rather than going oh I don't have the time or I feel guilty to do that yeah because I've definitely noticed that in my own life I notice when I want to prioritize myself over doing other things Mm. then feelings of guilt come up it's Um, crazy and then the other voice comes in going no this is important do this exactly Um, and thankfully you've got that other voice Mm. because a lot of people don't it always frustrates me when you see someone you bump into someone you haven't seen for ages and how you going oh flat out like it's just the first thing they say it's like no but really how are you how are you as a person and it's almost this badge of honor that unless you're busy 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 um and and as I said earlier in the in our chat, you know, it. I think particularly if you're working for yourself, you feel like you need to justify your existence to people and go, yeah, oh, I'm flat out. I'm just, I'm so in demand. I'm so, you know, this and that and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. Mm. And yeah, because something I've found with slowing down and with prioritizing times for, you know, self-care essentially, Mm. um, and, you know, noticing some of the guilty feelings and everything, but then doing it anyway, you know, having that bath in the Mm. middle of the day, how much that actually changes the trajectory of the day. Time slows down time slows down and I'm more peaceful and suddenly yeah like you were saying more stuff is getting done but without that kind of anxiety feeling of you know time running out it's really interesting it's an oxymoron yeah (laughs) um yeah you know that goes on um yeah and I'm really passionate about uh, spreading this message of, of slowing down essentially yeah. and coming back to this place of wholeness within self and prioritizing self because if we don't then the world will take over oh totally um, all totally. of the pressures that are coming at us so thank you so much Phoebe Pleasure. this has Pleasure. been an awesome thank chat you. I love chatting with you and um, your your insights on all of this are, you know, incredible. And um, thanks so much for coming. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to share or anything, you know, from your work and your music that you'd like to share with people? I know that you're about to become a mama for the first time. So I know you're going to have your uh, hands full with all of that. But, um, you know, if there's anything that you'd like to share, where can people find you? Um... Yes, um, my well, yeah, my original project, which is where my my heart lies, is um, is Passerine P A S E R I N E, and all our website and everything is this is Passerine. We're on Facebook and SoundCloud and Spotify and everything. Although there's an American band with the same name, and they play like folk bluegrass. That's not us. <laughs> it's, the, it's the electronic trio one. But um, and then my. My uh, sort of covers band is Phoebe and the Night Creatures. So you can find that there. And yeah, it's just, to be honest, yeah, I'm just looking forward to this next, this next chapter and, and what, what sort of, what comes of it. I think it's, it's really funny because, um, 
briefly, you know, I mean, me and my husband were trying to get pregnant prior to me falling sick and we hadn't been trying super long, but we'd been trying for a while and it was like, what's going on? And in hindsight, I'm like, there's no way I was going to get pregnant. My body was not in the right place. So I was way too stressed. Mm. And, um, whereas, you know, after I got sick and once I'd fully recovered, it happened actually pretty quickly. Right. And so it's just amazing to think that. And I think that, you know, thanks to getting sick, um, it's made me, you know, not only a better person, but I think better equipped to actually deal with craziness of, of impending parenthood and everything. So Definitely. Yeah. I'm sure that the experiences that you've gone through are going to make you you know, a great parent. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can't wait to meet the little one. I know. Yeah, we've been practicing yoga together for like for months. (laughs) Like, hello, you. I know you. I know. I've seen you growing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Love it. Okay, great. Well, I'll put all of those details into the show notes. Awesome. Thanks again. All the best. Very exciting um, next few months ahead of you. You too. And um, thanks everyone for listening. And that's the end of another episode. I do hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights. You can find more info about the show and my guests by visiting my website, claire-bradshaw.com or subscribe to iTunes to ensure you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please give it a rating on iTunes as this makes a huge difference in sharing the podcast and its content with more people. My dream is to create a happier, healthier, more wholesome world. And I truly believe that it starts with ourselves. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.